Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we talk about the ways to use satellites for helping predict and better respond to disasters. Now satellites from NASA or other space agencies can help tell us a lot about things here on Earth in our day-to-day lives, whether it be helping to better direct emergency responders in the event of a flood or keeping tabs on key infrastructure like bridges or roads to make sure and avoid a disaster. Now, we often think of satellites as something far removed from Earth. Well, they quite literally are orbiting high above us. But a lot of the time, many satellites aren't staring deep out into space, observing planets or being telescopes. A lot of the time, all of those telescopes are pointed back down towards Earth. And they're used for a variety of things, from predicting weather to analysing surface conditions, sometimes even for archaeology. But a recent study from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Centre in Maryland published in the journal Frontiers in Environmental Science, outlines how satellites could actually play a real beneficial role to emergency responders in large-scale disasters. And the reason is pretty clear. We're now getting to a point where we have a lot of satellites with real-time capabilities. That is, at a given point in time, there may be a satellite trained to look down on Earth over a particular area. And this near-real-time information could be immensely useful for emergency responders trying to save lives in a disaster. And not just save lives in terms of some minor person-to-person concept. No, no, on a large-scale coordination of emergency responses, getting food and vehicles and equipment to disaster-affected areas is incredibly challenging for first responders. In a large-scale disaster when all your highways, your telecommunication lines and your trains are all destroyed or flooded or burnt out, trying to get help to where it's most needed at the right time is incredibly important. It's no use rocking up in your fancy emergency response truck with firefighters or trained medical staff or even supplies if, well, everyone's already either moved on from that area, the place is burnt out, or wasn't in that much of a disaster in the first place. So timing is everything. So the NASA researchers were looking at a way to understand and calculate how beneficial it would be to repurpose these satellites to use them for emergency response assistance. And they did it by studying a particular case study. Now, all the way back in 2011, there was incredibly heavy monsoon rains caused by La Nina conditions across Southeast Asia. And in particular, this led to the Mekong River Basin getting inundated and flooded. Now, this destroyed millions of acres of crops, displaced millions of people living along the Mekong River Basin, and killing hundreds, in particular in countries like Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia, and southern China. Now, the Mekong River itself stretches for like 2,000 miles, so that's a lot of area that's potentially getting flooded. And that river is also incredibly important for food and income for the roughly 60 million people living there. Now, the satellite, aside from getting better predictions about the progress of the flood and also the weather and rain conditions that led to it, the satellite can't stop a flood, but it can help point people to the right places to go and better coordinate their responses. And that's exactly what researchers Perry Odo and John Bolton from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center were investigating. They focused their attention to the area surrounding Bangkok in Thailand. Bangkok is at the end of effectively a river basin, so of course it can get flooded 
pretty spectacularly when there's large floods downstream all coming all the way down through the delta to an area like Bangkok. Now previously, now previously these researchers had helped develop an algorithm that estimated floodwater depth from space observations. Now that's a pretty handy thing to have developed because if you combine that estimation of floodwater depth well with local information on different types of infrastructure available in an area, population and land coverage, you can actually then combine these things to develop a disaster risk rating for the region. It helps you consider where might be vulnerable or exposed for various different types of land cover. And with that, you can actually also analyze where is the largest risk, where the most damage from a person or a cost perspective would be incurred. And this kind of assessing cost damage or human life risk is incredibly important for emergency managers because a lot of the time they're trying to figure out where to deploy their limited resources to get the most effective result to save lives or to help people. And so this is a pretty good offline emergency response tool. And in fact, this tool did get used to support disaster recovery after the failure in 2018 of the Zhipanji Nam Noi hydropower dam in Laos. Now that was a pretty interesting application of satellite data to estimate and measure flood data and also to calculate responses and risk ratings. But in the current study, the researchers took that a step further and looked at ways to get near real-time information on flooded roadways. Now why would that be useful? Well, you may know which areas are the most risk as they found in the previous study, and you may know where you want to get your emergency responders, but getting them there quickly and efficiently is a whole other problem. So try to find a way to actually find and get your crews to the right spots in roads that aren't yet fully submerged is a quite a difficult thing. So being able to estimate the flood depth from this satellite information and making satellite flood inundation maps and giving them to the emergency responders can help them pick the best route to get from one place to the other. So this flood depth information was calculated from NASA's Moderate Resolution Imaging Spectroradiometer called MODIS. And they estimated land cover and got that data from the NASA US Geological Survey Landsat satellites, which is officially known as CDAC, as well as data from the OpenStreetMap, which is another geographic data source. They pulled all this information together and they took the 2011 event as an example. They applied overlaid in near real time, stepping back from the initial flood event, all of the information about inundation that they could possibly calculate. Doing so like they would have done if that information was coming in right now. And what they found was pretty interesting. When they compared the result to using this general open source navigation technology, open route services, most of the routes directed by this mapping service would have put emergency responders straight into some of the most flooded areas. So when they overlaid on top of this the actual information about which areas were flooded, then they generated new routes on the fly to avoid those highly flooded areas. At most cases they found most of the recommendations contain around 10 miles worth of flooded ro roadways, which is not great. In contrast, when they factored in the flood information from the satellites, it nearly avoided all the high flooded areas and there was just five miles of affected roadways from flooding. And that made the, the routes from one point to the other and the disaster emergency response around nine minutes faster than if they had just used the maps that were available at the time. 
And nine minutes of reduction doesn't seem like a lot, but it is quite significant when you imagine time would mean you get there faster, which means your ability to respond and save lives is greatly increased. But it also means that you're actually getting to the right space without having wasted time, energy and resources getting through a particularly flooded or difficult area. Now, previous studies from research groups like NASA in Southeast Asia have shown that just shaving off one minute per emergency responders trip over the course of a year could save around $50 million of economic estimated activity. But that's over a full year of emergency response. But for a disaster, which is already a very high impact event, hundreds of lives lost and huge amounts of damage. Saving just a little bit of time in each of those call-outs could make a real difference in people's lives. Now, this is really great because it shows that help in a disaster can come from many different places, not just down on the ground, but also far away. In countries that are unaffected by the disaster can lend a hand by lending satellite resources. And this is some great work from NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, published at the Frontiers of Environmental Solid science, quantifying and showing clearly how real-time satellite data could be an incredibly useful tool for emergency responders to shave extra minutes off their journeys and get the help to where it's needed the most and the fastest it can. Satellites in space can help not just with responding to disasters more effectively. In fact, by staring at critical pieces of infrastructure, satellites can provide early warning signs for potential disaster, helping avoid tragedy. And that's exactly what researchers from the University of Bath and NASA's JPL laboratories have been investigating. And the key leader of this study was Dr. Georgia Giardani from University of Bath. And they were investigating the way to use satellite imagery to better predict and assess potential structures like bridges or tunnels or any other visible pieces of infrastructure, signs of wear, corrosion or damage that may lead to a catastrophe. And one of the big drivers for such a technique is, well, of course, the Morandani Bridge tragedy in Genoa in Italy. In August 2008, you may have seen the pictures, but massive sections of this very large bridge collapsed, falling onto buildings below not only killing people on the bridge surface, but also those who were underneath at the time. And that killed 43 people. Now, taking this as a case study, the researchers looked at 15 years worth of satellite imagery of the Moridani Bridge in Genoa. And by analysing this over time, and with the understanding of structural monitoring techniques, they could make some assessment of the health of the bridge at various points in the life. Because usually we can use different types of structural monitoring techniques to detect signs of movement in a bridge or a building. But the problem is they tend to only focus on the area where the sensors are placed. So if you have a bridge that's almost a kilometre long, if you have sensors, maybe 10 of them, scattered across the bridge, you may miss that critical weak spot that is showing the signs of wear. And by the time you see it on those other sensors, it may be too late. So the benefit of a satellite assessment is that you get the whole picture and you get a lot of detail. 
and you get a lot of data which means you can track it over a long long period of time now author and scientist from jpl dr pietro milio said that these techniques marks an improvement over the traditional methods because it allows scientists to gauge changes in not just the structure but also ground deformation across a single piece of infrastructure with really high frequency and very good accuracy and the thing is pieces of infrastructure like bridges whether they be for roads or for buses or for trains they all have similar telltale signs but the problem is you can't normally forecast a collapse because you need to have lots of long-term data and yes you may put in a continuous high-end smart monitoring device today but that doesn't tell you anything about the state of the bridge over the last 10 years. You can only monitor from where you put that in. Whereas with satellite imagery, you can actually get a really interesting long-term view on the way that the ground around that structure has changed, potentially showing signs of shifting, as well as the structure itself. Now, all of this was made possible with the large advantages in satellites, and they relied on images from Italian space agency, ASI's Cosmos SkyMed constellation of satellites as well as the European Space Agency's Sentinel-1A and 1B. And that gives really, really precise amounts of data. They also used what's called Synthetic Aperture Radar, or SAR data, which you can get from a lot of different satellites pointing at different angles. And this is how certain mapping technologies actually produce that three-dimensional picture of a building. But they can do the same thing with something large, like a bridge. So instead of just having 15 years of flat data, we now also have started to get three-dimensional data as well. And this is readily available because those satellites are snapping all those photos all the time. So it actually makes a lot of sense and can be more cost-effective than covering your bridge or all of your bridges full of sensors. Now, it's quite clear that you could apply this data and this technique, as well as the software analysis that goes along with it, to continuously monitor large structures and the surrounding area. Compared to trying to cover an entire bridge or an entire train line with monitoring data, this would be much more effective. It's not going to be necessarily as real time as those sensors, but it gives you a very good analysis of the actual overall health of the structure or infrastructure. Now, another time when you may really want to use this, for example, is when you have to build a large new tunnel. So when you dig a large tunnel, like the Crossrail Tunnel in the UK, or here in Melbourne, the new Melbourne Metro, when you dig a large tunnel like that, you may disturb a lot of the foundations that were designed for all the buildings and other pieces of infrastructure on top of it. In fact, a lot of underground projects have to have specific monitoring on the surface to make sure that when they're digging, they don't accidentally ruin the foundations of a large building. But this would give you another tool in the arsenal for managers of such large construction projects because they can from a sky high view know what it was like before the project began and also monitor our ongoing sense the actual levels of the ground to look for potentially any issues structural or otherwise caused by the tunning maybe some vibration is changing the geological structure of the area or maybe we're getting some subsision where the tunnel is sort of leaving some sort of cavity that might sink or cause a sinkhole around some buildings. And this is a really interesting aspect because lots of cities across the world are always doing these digging projects. And this provides another tool to keep an eye on such large projects. So this is some great research out of the University of Bath of a way to turn a tragedy and learn from it and come up with new ways to protect infrastructure like bridges or cities into the future. And this was all published 
in the journal Remote Sensing. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From satellites up in space to helping better direct emergency responders here on the ground and keeping tabs on critical pieces of infrastructure, satellites can play a role in protecting lives here on Earth. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.